This morning, we read from the book of Romans, chapter 13, beginning with the 11th verse. And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So if you're the type that likes to dress up for Halloween, there's kind of one way, only one way left to kind of go next level with that, and that is uh, mascots, I think. And mascots are kind of one of those things where you're kind of the life of the party at a lot of things. I mean, people get excited for you, you know, uh, people don't know who you are underneath it. Uh, You get to goof off a little bit, but people love you. But mascots also do kind of have these rules they got to follow. You know, they're usually not supposed to be talking, uh, and usually mascots... You know, because they represent an institution, they represent a school. You know, they're supposed to be nice and, and good mascots. But you do have uh, mascots in history that have been a little naughty at times. And one of the more uh, maybe infamous mascots is, this, uh, is the Stanford University tree mascot. And in 1995 this tree got into a little bit of a fight with another mascot. And if you could just imagine, it's this, it is a giant, you know, fluffy pine tree mascot charging at a bear mascot to push it over. And nationally televised, no less. And it's just kind of a ridiculous thing to think about. Especially because here, you're talking about Stanford University, right? I mean, one of the most prestigious and famous universities in this country. You know, right up here with Bethany, of course. And, and here you have, it's just an embarrassment. You got this mascot that just is getting into all sorts of trouble. You know, people do embarrassing things all the time at sporting events. You know, we know that. Uh, but it doesn't make the news, Right? But a mascot getting into it with another mascot is going to, you know, make some headlines because it represents an institution. And today here, I'm here to tell you that if you ever wanted to be a mascot, you kind of are a mascot. You kind of are a mascot. You're Jesus' mascot. I know it sounds a little corny, but the text talks about putting on Jesus Christ. How do you put a person on you? That's kind of, I think, a a down-to-earth way we could say is like what it is to be a mascot. And in putting on Christ, we go about representing Christ, and uh, that shows up with this clothing language in the text. I'm going to kind of zero in on that in particular today. So hopefully we'll figure out, well, how to maybe not be kind of like that embarrassing tree mascot. Now, of course, the Bible, of course, doesn't use mascot language, but it has image of God language throughout, 
And sometimes that image of God language is connected with clothing and putting on Christ. And here we have that image of, again, putting on Christ. And what does that entirely mean? The thing about the image of God is that um, that sounds really artificial today because we don't really think of images in that way often or in our regular speech. But in antiquity, you had all sorts of temples uh, to all sorts of different gods. And usually in those temples, you had an image of that particular god, a statue of that god in that temple. The temple of God in Jerusalem, it's interesting, did not have an image or statue of God there. And I think a lot of that is connected with how the Bible talks about uh, in creation and as his followers that we are God's image what the statues or idols or images that the, the function they served in those, uh, all those various other temples to other gods is kind of like what we're supposed to do as God's followers. We are supposed to bear and carry his image out to represent him and represent that in a good way to others. And so with this putting on Christ, this restoring of the image of God, um, that is uh, uh, reconnecting us with that, covering us with Christ. And in some ways, it's like we are a mascot out in the world for Jesus, and that can be a good thing, making Jesus look good, or it can be sometimes a bad thing too. So in some ways, it could be worrisome to us because if we envisioned our lives as we're walking around in like a Jesus giant Jesus-shaped outfit and mascot, well, some of the things we do would be kind of cringe to God. And that's what the text is kind of getting at, where it has like all of these things, negative things and sins, and that, that doesn't make God look good. And we can think of our own sins too, and, you know, the numerous uh, other things that we do that, wh- what do we do that makes God look bad? I mean, maybe sometimes we're kind of harsh and unkind to people. How does that make God look? How does it make God look to people who uh, aren't Christian? How does that make our God look to them? Or when we think about sometimes it's easy to really complain about a ton of stuff. We're always complaining about the life God has given us or the things he's given us or complaining about the church or complaining about the world he's put us in and the world he's created. I mean, we can really complain a lot about God's gifts and how does that make God look as we his mascots and image bearers. And I mean, I don't know what all our sins are, but I mean, if you just imagine some of the stuff we've done, and again, a, a giant Jesus-shaped outfit, I mean, yeah, that, that is a little embarrassing to God, I think, at times. And it comes up a little in the language of darkness in the text. It talks about darkness, and it's not just sins done totally in secret, because some of the sins listed aren't really done in utter secrecy. I mean, how does one do revelry in total secrecy? But the darkness language is a little bit about, it's hidden from normal daylight hours. It's stuff that's embarrassing. And there's sins where if we keep doing them and persisting in them and don't care and don't repent, eventually it's like popping that costume off, popping that clothing of Christ off and losing faith altogether. So, I mean, it is, it is a serious warning here. But, you know, Paul doesn't, doesn't leave people uh, in that worry. He has 
very straightforward solution of putting on Christ. Uh, that putting on Christ is God giving us faith, and it's a putting on that's done continually in our lives as God comes to us in his word and works faith in our hearts, strengthens faith, causes us to put off sin in repentance and things like that. And it is such a comforting image, though, when you think about putting on Christ in entirety. And that's why I kind of like the mascot image because there's, you, you, I don't even know who's in our Bethany mascot, you know, the Viking Helvar and all that. I don't know who's in that. It doesn't matter. It, once that mascot is completely covering, you are that, you know, that's what people see. And so it is with Christ, too. It's not like it's like we got Jesus, you know, his coat or something, and some sin is still sort of sticking out. It's we're completely covered. So whatever sin might be bugging us about the past, whatever sin maybe feels really extreme in our lives, whatever uh, sin just keeps bugging us or things that people know about, things that people don't know about, well, to God, we're totally covered in this Jesus-shaped mascot. And when he sees us, he doesn't see those sins. He sees Jesus and his perfection. We're totally covered in him. And this is, uh, when we think about what Jesus came to do in his work and his life and his death and his resurrection, it's all to make this mascot thing ours. Jesus was perfect uh, in, his, in his life on this earth. And he not only represented God, but he's God himself. And if he messed up, it wouldn't just be an embarrassment, but it would have ruined the plan of salvation. But God thankfully was perfect so that he would have this, you know, covering for us to to make us completely look perfect in God's eyes. And he died on the cross to take all those sins away and to forgive them. With his resurrection, he shows us the way forward. You know, just like Jesus went and he faced death and he conquered it, and he, and he lives and rules eternally, well, when, as, as we have Jesus on us and covering us, that's like us too. We can look to death and know we have conquered it, covered in Christ. We have eternal life thanks to him and his work for us. So, you know, this talk about putting on Christ in the, in the lesson here, it's not just some side note. It's just a great comfort for us to know that we have full body outfit of Jesus covering us, covering our sins, making us and giving us worthiness so we're right with God now and eternally in heaven. And so, yeah, I mean, the mascot language at first, and, and maybe it still does seem kind of silly, but a mascot is one of the few ways where you truly are completely and 100% covered up with someone else's image. And I think that's kind of neat. Um, you are totally covered. I'm totally covered. And yes, on the one hand, it challenges us as we go out in the world. Uh, challenges us to represent uh, Christ to the people around us, just like that Helvar mascot, that Viking mascot represents this institution. But even more than that, it's so comforting to know that we have this putting on freely given to us by God, covering us in our sins. And with that, we know we're good with God. We're good with God both now and eternally. Amen. And let's join in prayer. Uh, dear God, please help us to struggle against the sins of darkness all around that would bring embarrassment to the gospel you've given us. In everything, though, comfort us by clothing us with Jesus and his perfection, making us glad as we await eternal life, thanks to your free gift. Amen.